0: The information contained in this podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute investment or financial advice. You should seek tailored advice that is specific to your circumstances before making any investment decision. The Good Investing Podcast connects you with successful investors and business leaders who invest in or are experts in a range of industries, but do it with a difference.
1: Exactly, Margot. Nicely said, because I think leadership is where the cultural void starts and finishes. I think there's too many leaders that just want to be leaders. And we've got political leaders. Some of them just want power for the sake of it. But what I say to aspiring leaders is, what have you got to say? What is it you're trying to say to your team and to the greater community? What's your point? And if you've got nothing to say, we'll get out of the road and let someone who does have something genuinely good to say, let them have the role.
2: Hello, my name is Matt Nicard, I'm the co-founder of Ethical Partners Funds Management, and welcome to episode 15 of the Good Investing Podcast. Now, this is a pretty special episode of our humble podcast. For the first time, we'll be speaking with two guests on the one episode. The reason why we're interviewing both is because their careers are intertwined, and only by understanding how that has occurred can we understand how the future of corporate Australia might just look. You'll hopefully know what I mean by the end of this exciting instalment of our humble podcast. So let me introduce our two guests, Margot Ward of Kids Express and Paul Hines of GSA Insurance Brokers. So first of all, Margot, growing up in rural South Island, New Zealand, Margot was the youngest of nine children. And Margot's father was a fine rugby player and all black, and her mother, a pioneer of modern physiotherapy. Understanding trauma firsthand was a big part of Margot's early experiences as she spent the majority of her first five years in an oxygen tent away from her family due to chronic illness. Margot's an absolute trailblazer in children's mental health services and is a highly regarded for purpose leader. As the founder and CEO of Kids Express, Margot pioneered an expressive therapy program for children and that has been positively impacting childhood adversity. She's gone on to receive federal accreditation and international recognition, and most importantly, supported thousands of children across New South Wales. The seed of Kids Express emerged out of Margot's professional experiences working as head of the Play Therapy Unit at Sydney Children's Hospital and as a national facilitator in suicide prevention. During her early career, Margot became increasingly aware of the link between unresolved childhood challenges and the later emotional and social problems in life. In 2005, Margot established a highly credentialed board, including renowned economist Dr. John Houston as chair, and Paul here as vice chair, and a talented and passionate team of therapists and sponsors. She quickly got the attention of government, schools, and child we- welfare organisations. Today, Margot has created a sustainable business model and is responsible for all levels of Kids Express. In the past 17 years, her career has gone on to span several sectors and comprises invitations from numerous businesses to help deepen staff engagement, organisational connection and profit with purpose alignment. She's received a number of leadership and business awards, including a scholarship for the Executive Leadership Program at Stanford University, and is currently an independent non-executive director on the Chubb Insurance Australia Board. And that's the short version. Margot told me to cut it down. That's the short version. Now to you, Paul. Paul Hines is now minority owner and executive chairman of GSA Insurance Brokers and has worked within the insurance industry for over 20 years. He sold a majority ownership in GSA in 2020 to Steadfast, the ASX-listed company. Paul commenced his career with what is now known as CGU, working in various management positions before leaving to join GSA as an equity partner in 1995. Paul was the CEO for over 10 years and became sole owner in 2007. Paul is on the board of the Property Funds Association as an active member of the International Young Presidents' Organisation and has won numerous insurance industry awards. He co-founded Kids Express with Margot in 2005 and continues his engagement with Kids Express as Deputy Chairman and a major sponsor both individually and through GSA. So first of all, why what, what don't you, do you just tell us where we are? Where are we recording? Because you, you said this was your your
1: special place. Yeah, so nice to be here, Matt. Thank you for for inviting me to have a chat. Um, we're here in a warehouse um, in Belgowla in Sydney's north. Uh, my wife found this space and I've turned it into – it's a warehouse and I've turned it into an office and uh, I also have an, an interest and passion for mid-century antiques and I've got it filled with those, all the things that I love – Um, and yeah, I I come here most days um, and conduct business from here. I do a lot of mentoring and I do that from here as well, Matt. So
2: so welcome, mate. I'm pleased you like it. Fantastic. It's an incredible space. There's about 30 chairs, originals from what I can see from somewhere between 1960, 1970, maybe in 1980. There's was a record player over here. There's tables, there's there's even special sound absorption rugs, which is ideal for, <laughs> ideal for this podcast. So production people tell us. It's an incredible space. Um, how did you two meet, Margot? <laughs> uh,
0: this is a story that uh, I don't like to tell. Paul loves to tell us. We actually met in 1988. Uh, we both got on a bus, a Kentucky bus, and we travelled around Europe together. So a long time ago, uh, had a lot of fun on that trip. And that was the foundations of our friendship that's, all these years.
1: Yeah, I still remember Margot sitting on that bus and first meeting you and and right from the f- moment I met you, I knew I'd met a friend and it's, it's funny, isn't it? I'm 57 now and we're sitting here and we're great friends and, and that friendship has endured mm-hmm. and it's included the formation of um, what is really a significant organisation, Kids Express.
0: Yeah, and I think that's one of the most remarkable things is who knew on that I think it was 31, 32 days or whatever that we were going around Europe on that bus, that all those years later, not only would the friendship still be stronger than what it ever has been, but also the things that we have achieved in our lives and supported each other to do so, I think has been, it's the highlight of my life, I think, is one of the things I talk about most when I talk to my family back in New Zealand or talk to my friends around who or what is the thing that that uplifted you, I would say it's our friendship.
2: I I could see that from day one. I I had the honour of serving on the Kids Express board for a few years, probably about 12 or 13 years ago, and I came into this environment where this partnership was in place between GSA and Kids Express and obviously the two leaders of those organisations. The the friendship was there. It was a unique experience, to be honest. I learned a lot and uh, kept in touch ever since. And, it's just great to be doing this today, um, Margo How did you? How did you start thinking about Kids Express back in early two thousands?
0: Well, I think it was actually long before that, Matt. <clears throat> I had actually been working uh, in childhood trauma through Sydney Kids Hospital. I pioneered play therapy in Australia, predominantly working with kids in palliative care, oncology, child protection, ICU. And whilst we call ourselves the founders of Kids Express, the true origin of Kids Express actually comes from children. So in my work with children, particularly in palliative care, I would help children deal with their fears and the anxieties, which included not just painful procedures but the fact that they were that they were dying and that they were going to leave their family, they were going to leave this earth. Um, And children would have this incredible vision of this place that needed to exist, a place where they could sing and dance and throw paint. And it was so vivid and it was so powerful that for my 10 years as Head of Play Therapy, this, this vision of this place that needed to exist just every time I worked with a child just got bigger and bigger. And then for some very odd reason, uh, at about 10 years in, I decided to go and work in a national suicide prevention program, which took me predominantly to regional remote areas across Australia. And I always remember at the time the CEO of the Children's Hospital, Professor Liz White, sat me down and said, Margot, why are you leaving? Like you are pioneering play therapy in Australia. You've got a role in house. It's a really important role. I don't understand where you're going. And I remember saying to Liz, well, I don't really know either. I just know they're giving me a car. And it was this <laughs> massive, big V8 green Holden that even in some of the places I went to, I, I couldn't, I had to hide the car. I couldn't go there. But what I learned in those almost four years of working in suicide prevention was the vision the children had was that every adult I worked with in crisis who either was in crisis, had been in crisis, or who had lost a loved one to crisis, they would all go back to the childhood. It started with the abuse, the neglect, the domestic violence, the, the illness, the loss of somebody. Every person in crisis would validate the children and say, if only there was a different way that we could cope. And so I had this incredible vision for 13 years and I will never forget uh, two things. I will never forget New Year's Eve 2005 after dreaming about this for 13 years as a and considered myself a good therapist, standing on a hill somewhere on New Year's Eve probably with a, a few bubbles under my belt, dramatically letting going this idea and, and really saying to the children, I'm sorry, kids, I'm never going to pull this off. I don't know how to do it. Um, but I'm a really huge believer in serendipity. And I believe when you really deeply put the foundations into life, life will, bre- life will not let pass by what is meant for you. So I knew that if it was meant to be, it would come back literally three months later. I went to Paul's 40th. Um, and as Paul said, we disconnected right from those very days from our early twenties, we'd reconnect and we went to dinner to a place called Tropicana and, uh, Paul, as he always has in my life. and
1: I had the chicken salad.
0: Yeah, and I think I had the pasta. (laughs) (laughs) Paul asked these profound questions um, that changes people's lives, and he asked me, Margot, do you think what you're doing now is going to change the life of a child today? And I had to say no. And I told him about the vision of Kids Express. We didn't know anything about each other's professions or careers. And we then had another one of our profound, deep and meaningful conversations. And not so long ago I found a copy of a very old email, and it was an email from Paul saying, hey, girl, don't give up your day job just yet, but we're going to make this happen. Wow. And we have.
1: Yeah, Matt, my recollection um- very similar. Uh, I just turned 40. Margot said, I want to take you out for a special dinner. And she took me to Tropicana, which is like $8.50 for a meal. <laughs> but uh, anyway, forgetting that. So we sat down and we did. We did. It was a great conversation. And awesome. you told me about the Silver Sanctuary. And I, 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 I understood the poignancy of the moment. When Margot started talking about it and I started getting leaning forward and saying, asking questions, and I could tell it was a dream. I could tell it was her dream. And me engaging with it and and tickling it out, I knew that I was setting myself up for some responsibility. But I I remember saying, Margot, let's let's do something here. I want you to write a business plan. And, and uh, I had
0: no idea what a business plan was. <laughs> I had to go and Google it. What the hell's a business plan?
1: <laughs> okay, so, and you didn't. I said, you said what the hell's that?" And uh, I said, "You got to write a business plan, Margot, and you're going to come into the boardroom next week, uh, and we're going to talk it through. We're going to see if there's something in this, and if we can, if we can breathe some life into it." And that's exactly how it started. Then, uh, Margot, I said, "Righto." Once we'd um, understood that it did have legs. And it was required, and the early intervention was needed in order to give everyone the possibility of everyone having an equal possibility of having happiness, uh, a good, meaningful, and happy life. Mm-hmm. And we said, okay, we're going to go ahead with this. We remember we had all the forums in the boardroom with different health professionals and John Hewson and and different leading thinkers, and and just members of the public, some people that had that Margot had helped. Uh, their children when they were in distress, and one particularly particular one that I know you were very close to and that was a big inspiration. I'm getting a bit emotional here, Margot, but I remember her parents uh, coming along. Um, and then, so I said, right, I'm going to give you an office here. I'm going to replace your salary. For 12 months, I'm going to give you an office. I'm going to replace your salary. I'm going to give you a company car, and you're going to make this thing happen. And that's how it happened. So Margot became part of the GSA team. So when you talk about GSA and Kids Express being inextricably linked, that's part of it, Matt. We we work together. Margot understands the heartbeat of GSA. And I think that there is a there's some of Kids Express in GSA and there's there's definitely some some of GSA in Kids Express.
2: So I didn't know that detail and and this podcast is about inspiring business leaders to do the right thing from an investment point of view and also from a Community perspective. I mean, what better way than actually bringing someone into the team with an idea, making it work? Uh, that's that's incredible. So, so as Margot is there in the office uh, and out of the office, but just part of the team. I, I guess that just brings the the business and Kids Express as one to start with. Yeah. And then, how did you then intertwine that ongoing so that that GSA Kids Express link? Just talk to me about how that worked over the next few years
1: well margo she really did you were part of our team and every different event and this went on for 15 years every significant event we had in the company margo would be there generally making a speech imparting knowledge um compassion and a and a a deeper sense of why we're at work and what what this life is all about so it, it Margot was very much uh, our the softer side of GSA, and and the person that one of our values is to be human, and that we're all this it, it that the company and we all should be about uh, the way we interact with each other and the way we interact with the community. And Margot personified that, brought it to the fore for GSA. Uh, everyone in that organisation to today. Knows Margot personally. They all, most of them, give through a plan giving uh, that we do as periodic deductions out of salary. So most of the staff still give to
2: to Kids Express. So, want to go back half a step, to just for those that don't know GSA. Insurance broking. Yeah, um, just give us a quick rundown. The, yeah, G- the GSA is,
1: it's thirty two years old uh, now, Matt. It's a general insurance broking organisation. We've got about sixty five staff in the Rocks in a historic old building. It's an old presbytery actually next to St Pat's Church, and uh, in in the Rocks, and we look after large organisations. So. S- large proprietary limited and and smaller style listed companies. And uh, so we look at their whole risk profile and give them av- advice around that. So we, we really see ourselves as like a, a, a quasi staff member sitting outside those organisations that we represent, uh, just making sure we're looking after their risk profile, ensuring what can be ensured and making sure they understand the, the risks that they carry in their business. Um so that so 32 years establishing and working in that business um something I'm very proud of it's it's funny in 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 preparation for meeting you both today I was thinking about uh, my business career my career and it's funny I I am very proud of GSA but I probably I'm equally as proud of the fact that I had some involvement in giving Margot a voice in the community. And that's all I saw myself as a a means of giving Margot a soapbox to stand on because she had something to say, something to offer. And when someone puts their heart on the table and is offering something as genuinely good as what Kids Express do, it's very hard to turn away.
0: Mm, I think the, the other piece, Matt, you know, thinking about those early days you know, Kids Express also just for your audience. You know, nothing had been done like this worldwide before. The using the creative modalities was still seen as quite alternative in 2005. Um, the way we brought the program together and using the creative modalities and or expressive therapies in the way we did. You know, I, I think back to those early days and I think about what leadership looks like. And even that first day that I came in, Paul took what my. So-called business plan that was virtually wrapped in a baby's blanket, and didn't even look at it. Just walked me through his office and introduced me to every single staff member, saying, "Margot is an old friend. She has a vision that could change the lives of children, and we're going to make her. We're going to help her make it happen." And by this stage, I'm kind of tugging on his, you know, sleeve, going, "But I thought we were just going to go for coffee, and you were going to tell me it was rubbish and go back to your day job." But he actually took me, and and this is a, I think, also so a moment ago.
1: I'll just cut in. I was already sold. <laughs> And, were- <laughs> and and I do it with staff now and yes. I think it's good for leaders out there, anyone who's listening now, is to when you want someone to learn something, mm-hmm. get them to do a report for you. Even if you don't read it, the work's done. Yeah. We know when we prepare for something, yeah. we get to understand everything about it. Yeah. So I knew you would have over prepared. So it wasn't about
0: that yeah. report. It was just I think for me that that was the start of my leadership journey. If I'm honest, yes, I had all the clinical, not but watching. And Paul and I had known each other for so many years, and but we knew each other as friends. I had never stepped foot in GSA prior to that, and all of a sudden, I'm getting this lesson in leadership, and I can feel I could feel myself going, "This is massive." And There was another friend of ours that had said to me, now you know Heinze well enough to know if he's going to back you, you're going to have to deliver. Like he's not going to let you back away from this. And it was just that profound moment of going, I'm actually going to honour that vision of the kids and I have somebody I can trust that is a profound leader that I've just seen his leadership that I, I went home that night going, oh, my God, this is actually going to happen. As terrifying as that is, it was going to happen.
2: I want to go back to something you said before, Paul. one of the values of, say, being human. Yeah, and I want to talk to culture because it's this term term that that gets bandied around, and it's hard to define. You know it when you're there. You you can feel it. Well done, done, Matt. (laughs) Well done. I'm learning too. too. (laughs) I know that when you step foot in GSA and and you're in those meetings and every function and everywhere, you just feel it. You do feel it, and it makes a difference. I'd like to hear your version of how that works, because I imagine if if one of your values is being human, feeling human, uh, it ties in beautifully with Kids Express. It works together, and then. Reinforces the culture. That was my that was my layman's way of looking at it. But I'd look, love to hear look, it from yeah, you,
1: Matt. It's a really hard question, you know, because I knew you were going to ask something around culture, and it's probably the thing that I'm, uh, if I am known for anything, it was is for creating a really cohesive, um, happy, and uh, well-meaning um, team, and I, I really loved that. But in terms of what is it, it's a it's a reflection of leadership for mine, I think it's an interesting conversation to have now because culture was overdone. So when 30 years ago, when we first established GSA and and it was exciting and growing quickly and we had this palpable feeling within the organisation, um, I know it was based on certain premise that we had that, that myself and the other leader, Stephen McCarthy, who deserves acknowledgement here, had that... It was the way we managed people. The What I wanted to create, if I look back on it, it's only through reflection that I know this, was it, I wanted a safe environment for myself. Okay, so there was a selfish endeavour there and I'd come through the corporate world where I did not feel safe. And I felt like I was working so hard and covering for people who didn't care as much and and it was a pretty disparate bunch of people there was certainly we were we were joined together by virtue of the fact that we worked for a british british owned and run uh, head office organization large multinational organization but I didn't ever feel safe, nor did I feel compelled to follow a set of rules um, so what what we did we we knew the culture. So what we did was wrote it down and put it in into a little blue book, which I've got here. And this blue book is still as relevant today as what it was then. And only some of the words have changed. And that is that we've removed some of the colloquialisms and made it a little bit more corporate. But so when I was explaining our culture to staff, it had to have the same message. So I, I would tell them that, um, Sorry, someone's at the door here. So when, when I was explaining the, the culture to staff and suppliers and customers, I, I would always be conscious of the fact that some words would change. Oh, so I thought I've got to put this in writing so it is repeatable. So we wrote this little blue book and we put in there what our vision, our mission statement and our values. And our values are human first and foremost, valuable, what we do has to have a value attaching to it. Um, and I'm not talking about a monetary value. We have to do it with energy. So energetic is one. I'm a determined person. I love determination. And I try and instill that in my children. So determined and surprising. So we don't want to do what all the others are doing. We have to have a point of difference. So the culture, it's funny. The question is really relevant now because I think COVID has killed culture. Well, what it has done, I think, is is has undermined the people, the organizations that just ticked a box with culture. It wasn't deep. You didn't feel it when you went in there, but it was beautifully written words on paper. So I think that COVID, because people are not going into organizations, because they don't have the water cooler conversations, because there has been so much upheaval and maybe other things have become more important, culture seems to have been overlooked. So it's been – it characterises my whole career. So so I've been thinking about it. Is it dead? Is it – where is it at? For me, it's as relevant or more relevant now than what it ever has been because people are overlooking it. It's like post. Everyone's writing emails, but if you send an invitation out via the post – people read it You get
2: the response yeah. you get
1: a response yeah. and and so I'm I I think uh, I don't hear conversations
2: about culture at the moment I don't know do you we we, we try and seek them out because I, th- I think leadership and values goes to culture with sends goes to decision making and 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 business outcomes that that's how we look at it when we look at a company and we try and get a gauge for that but yeah. tend to agree it's it's hard it's hard to. It's harder to drive the culture. It's not impossible. But harder to drive the culture when you're not physically there, for yeah. sure.
0: I have this um, belief in terms of culture, and I think this is really evident at GSA. Well, there's two things that I'd like to say. One is that. Um, Where your culture sits is actually in in the gut, if you like, of the organization. You can, like Paul said, you can set all the, you know, beautiful words on beautiful walls, et cetera, but unless you can actually see and feel and feel connected to in a sense of belonging, and, and Paul's absolutely correct, that safety at the gut of the organization and you can see it and the people feel it. It's just words on a wall.
1: If 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 one thing is correct that we've got to today is that good culture, you can feel. Mm. It's a feeling. It's it, it's people always just say, oh, I can feel it." You've said it when you walked into our organisation. There's a certain feeling, mm. like it, there's a warmth, and. Uh, I, I'm, that's what I'm proud of, Matt, that people really felt that the culture at GSA uh, wasn't just words. And, and as to back it up, what we did was have rights and responsibilities. So and, and I'll just read a couple of those out. So you have a right to take the initiative and you have a responsibility to see it through. And then we go into what, it, what that means and what it doesn't mean. So we we clarify in this book exactly what our culture is. You have a right to share in our success. You have the responsibility to add value to the business. You have a right to individual thought. You have a responsibility to work together. You have a right to challenge and question. You have a, a responsibility to understand all facets of the business before you do that. And I like this one. You have a right to, to have your voice heard, and you have a responsibility to speak in a manner that's open, positive, and builds trust. So it, it's it's a multi-layered, complicated thing, our culture. I just don't want it to die. So I'm sticking around as executive chair to safeguard it, Matt. Very I think good. as
0: well. You know, the the thing for me as well, you listen to those words and we have, we just like for GSA, we now have a playbook. We have a Kids Express playbook that, to be honest, is incredibly like that in exactly the same way. But I think also what you're hearing is in leadership there has to be, to create safety and trust, there has to be an element of vulnerability. You have to be able to, again, be led in terms of the leadership needs to show vulnerability and kindness. And, you know, even think about our relationship and then those very early days, you know, our friendship was, even though we'd already known each other for so many years, it's still growing. It still grows now. We still learn so much about each other through that vulnerability and trust and creating a safe space between us. And I, I always remember the time that I was freaking out a little bit going, I just feel too indebted. I just feel this is too much. Paul and GSA is just, they're putting everything behind this vision that I have, this dream. And I'm not a businesswoman. I'm a really good therapist. And GSA made me a businesswoman. My board, John, Paul, they made me what I believe is the businesswoman that I am today and the success of Kids Express. But that only came through... You know, a conversation with Paul, with me being vulnerable enough to saying, "I'm acting like this because I'm really uncomfortable. I feel indebted." So we actually had a conversation around, "Okay, let's get really clear on the value proposition. What's Kids Express bringing GSA, and what's GSA bringing Kids Express, and what's the boundaries and the parameters around our friendship? What does that look like?" And I think that. That's what's missing in so many, what I view, and a lot of other, particularly corporate organisations, it's that depth of vulnerability that what rises out of that is culture and it's risen through the power of the leadership that exists.
1: Exactly, Margot. Nicely said because I think leadership – is where the cultural void starts and finishes. So if you I think there's too many leaders that just want to be leaders and we've got political, you know, political leaders, some of them just want power for the sake of it. But what I say to aspiring leaders is, what have you got to say? When you're on the soapbox, when you get the job, what is it you're trying to say to your team and to the greater community? What's your point? And if you've got nothing to say, we'll get out of the road and let someone who does have something genuinely good to
2: say, let them have the role.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: That's yeah, all I can say. Yeah. I'm going to go to the next step here, Margot, and ask you what is next for Kids Express? I know um, that you've been kind of looking at um, what, foundation workshops, self care workshops, school partnership programs, and so on.
0: Yeah. Uh, look, Matt, I think what's next for Kids Express is. And this is the gift of COVID. Prior to COVID, it was incredibly difficult for us to get people to have a conversation around children's mental health. And that is what we do. We're about children's mental health. All the evidence over the 18 years since we started Kids Express together it's now like we're best practice in working with children, we're internationally recognised, but it is about children's mental health and the challenge we have now is actually getting people, we're talking about children's mental health, we know that's where the origins of mental health starts, but it's actually getting people and funders and government to actually go we need to invest in early intervention and prevention. You know, Desmond Tutu goes this beautiful quote, and I won't quote it properly, but we've got to stop going. We've got to stop pulling people out of the river. We've got to go upstream and understand why they're falling in. And our children are falling into the river because we are not focusing on children's mental health, and we're not putting the right emphasis around it. When you've got companies like GSA, eighteen years ago, every single person in that's been or is currently in GSA has had a conversation around we want to do something, we we love what Kids Express is, how can we help more? We need society to stand up and have a voice for our children. Our children are telling us we're not coping and our adults are telling us we didn't cope in childhood to do something.
1: Margot, it goes so much further. I believe that everyone... Has some form of trauma that interferes or maybe blocks their capacity to be a happy adult, a well adjusted adult yeah I do have things in my past. I dare say you do
0: I definitely do, I definitely do I think and what I think is amazing about Kids Express and what we created is a culture between two organisations that for a long time has been a sole voice on that. Um, There's a study called the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study that was done in 1998 that our federal government only acknowledged last year. That study actually shows those, those trauma, those adversity, once you get to a certain number, it actually has profound effect on health in adults and we're still ignoring it. But we then have these beacons of organisations that are actually standing up, saying, "Here's the evidence. Now let's do something about it."
2: Fantastic, fantastic, Margot. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about your role on the board of Chubb Australia? So, <laughs> so, so bringing all of these learnings together. What are the types of um, things that you've been able to bring to the table at Chubb? Uh, what have you learned there? Um, you know, it's a it's a tough time in the broader insurance yep. industry. Yeah. Talk to us us about it.
0: So I'm actually going to go back to Paul again and go back to our board. Um, I'm only on that board because of my profile through GSA and support from Paul. So – because of Paul, the insurance industry got behind Kids Express in those very early days and I got to, to meet CEOs, etc. from different companies and I got to um, really connect with some of those companies and all of a sudden I started to have a profile amongst the insurance industry. When um, I was first approached to consider being on that board, my question was why on earth do you want me? Like I don't get that, not really knowing what might have been going on behind the scenes and I remember having the conversation with Damien Sullivan and John French at the time going, I don't understand why you want me. What is it that What is it that you want from me? And they were like, well, yes, we can talk about diversity in terms of gender, but we need diversity in terms of thought leadership. We need diversity in terms of sector. We need people to be thinking differently because we need to do business differently. And they saw what GSA had. They saw GSA had a heart. They saw that GSA lived their values. And I honestly, to this day, will always believe that's what they were seeking. They were seeking a bit of GSA at that level. And I've now been sitting on that board for six six years, going on to seven years. And I have learnt so much. I think currently in my sector, I'm the only um, person from the not-for-profit or for, for-purpose sector that has never been in the corporate world that is currently sitting on a corporate Australia board. And I'm incredibly proud of that. And I know that's really risen in the sector, the, not, the not-for-profit sector to go, well, we can actually do that because we can have an influence. I would
2: have, I would have thought at the moment with the amount of extreme weather events, with the amount of pressures from COVID and challenges yep. that now is the time to have somebody like you who can think differently to bring a different yep. perspective to the table because we're in I hate to use the cliche unprecedented times. We yeah, are, certainly from are. an insurance perspective, I imagine.
0: Yeah. I think it's been the last two and a half years, getting on to three years, or since, you know, COVID descended on us all, is probably as a director is the most I've been lent on. And I've that I've really could see how I could have an impact with the knowledge that I have and the insights that I have. But even prior to that, you know, talking about what we needed to do to support staff, you know. Uh, claim stuff. They're listening to trauma all the time. So what support are they getting? What Do they understand vicarious trauma? So even prior to COVID actually going, these are the things that we need to be putting into this business. And all I was using was the knowledge that I had. And I can hand on heart, really give credit to Chubb for not just giving me a seat at the table, but actually inviting me to contribute in the way that they do.
1: I think you underestimate your profile within the industry and and. Margot, the the, and within the not-for-profit industry, Um, Margot, you've
2: yeah, I think you underestimated just quietly. So that was part A of what we're calling the Margot and Paul episode of the Good Investing Podcast. I hope you gained a really interesting perspective on the special relationship there between GSA and Kids Express. I think you're going to see a whole lot more of this as a way to build genuine diversity in leadership and also a way to help build a positive culture within a business. So, join us for part B in a couple of weeks where we'll find out Paul's view on the insurance cycle and the insurance industry. And we also discuss the most important aspect of leadership that is most often overlooked and the unique relationship GSA has with the Sydney Roosters Rugby League team and a whole lot of other things in a really, really good conversation.
0: Thank you for listening to the Good Investing Podcast. Subscribe to hear future episodes and for more information about ethical partners funds management visit ethicalpartners.com.au.